Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www3 There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. And good morning, this is Annie for Showreel. Sorry for my absence. I was a bit under the weather, so uh, back on board. And uh, today we've got a, a bit of a interesting discussion with the filmmaker Benjamin Gilmore and the actor Sam Smith, who are part of the crew that have made this fascinating film called Jirga, which is set in Afga- Afghanistan. And uh, it's going to start, it's already started its season at uh, the Nova. And uh uh, we've got uh, a couple of double passes for people who are subscribers. So you, all you need to do is give us a call on nine four one nine eight three seven seven and put your hand up, and we'll send the tickets out to you. But you have to be a subscriber to three CR. And don't worry if you're not a subscriber right at the moment. You can ring in and people can subscribe you. Uh, it's, a, it's a great thing to be part of the membership of such a fabulous community radio station. So 94198377. And if you are a new subscriber, of course, you get a double pass to go and see a film called Jirga. Uh, before we start the little chat, I'm going to play a little bit of the music from Jirga. It's by a person who's got a fantastic name, AJ True. How could you possibly go wrong? It's beautiful music. Well, thanks for coming into the studio. I was very impressed with the movie Jirga. Uh, it's Ben, you're the director uh, and writer. That's right, Annie. Yeah. Uh, how, how did it come about that you... I mean, I know that you're a, you're a, not only a filmmaker but a para, paramedic, but that also that you're a world traveller. Mm. So quite clearly uh, you're interested in particular in that area of the, the globe, Afghanistan, Pakistan, that sort of thing. Yeah, a particular passion for people from that part of the world, but also interested in, in humanity in general. And, you know, I've although I fell in love with the, the, the people in... in uh, Afghanistan and Pakistan, Afghanistan. In recent times, in my twenties, I've travelled through Syria and uh, Egypt, and, and you know, a few other, quite quite a few other countries, and and really, um, you know, really found really found a, you know, I was connecting with the humanity of people that were from a different tribe to my own, from a, you know, who were very had a different upbringing and a different faith, and um, and I, you know, I felt in recent years, particularly after. Post in the post nine eleven years, that there's been a lot of um, division and a lot of um, hate rhetoric around people who are different, um, and you know around the subject of refugees and and the wars. So um, this is kind of 
this film Jerger is, is 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 my response to 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 you know my objection to to that kind of uh, that kind of uh, rhetoric. Well, there's a couple of things there uh, to follow up. <laughs> Not a couple mm. of things, but um, when I was watching it, one, it's incredibly beautiful, uh, stark but beautiful place. But uh, I was uh, one of the things that came across to me was that uh, when the Americans uh, go to have a war in someone else's country, mm. uh, in the mind space of people like us in Australia mm-hmm. uh, and other places, where, you know, where we we actually collaborate in these mm-hmm. events, uh, but we still remain at home in a nice, comfortable mm. space. Mm. Uh, that uh, places like Afghanistan. Mm. Um, and then I went through it in my head, Syria, mm-hmm. um, Iraq, they become no man's lands of yeah. fear and loathing. Yeah. And by doing what you've done with Jirga, which mm-hmm. is actually a moral tale, mm. uh, you really make it very personal. Mm. It's like a parable, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you, you, you raise a good point there. Um, in those places becoming no-go zones and and essentially becoming very dangerous because of the consequences of invasion and occupation, it makes it very difficult for writers, filmmakers, journalists to get those stories out to the world. So it's very difficult for people back home here or in America to really get a picture of what's actually going on. And those armies that are occupying uh, these countries and, and conducting operations in the countries can get away with so much uh, so mm-hmm. much immorality um, in the course of their their projects um, that um, you know they wouldn't ordinarily perhaps get away with if they were you know doing stuff back home. So it's we're kept in the dark essentially. Our populations are kept in the dark, and and um, things are being done in our name um, that are horrendous. And uh, I should bring Sam into the discussion now because Sam is in the film. You and the making of this film. It was a very difficult proposition making a film in Afghanistan, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a different film to what, what we set out to make too because we obviously went to Pakistan to make a film and were waiting around oh, for so you, you were th- you were hedging your bets. You're thinking, oh, Pakistan's <laughs> not quite as violent and frightening as well, Afghanistan. When, when I came on board, it was a very different um, scenario because there was obviously money attached at that point. So we had quite a high-level security detail, you know, bulletproof car, convoy, that type of thing. But then when all that fell apart because the ISI deemed the script too politically sensitive, we were in a position where Ben basically said to me, uh, we can either go home with nothing or uh, you and I can go to Afghanistan and, and make this film ourselves with the help of, of people he had contact with over there, yeah. So it was, um, Before we go on, Ben, yeah. what, what was the thing that they uh, didn't like about the politic in the film? Well, it's hard to put a finger on it, but... Um, because it was positive? You know, it was, it was humanising. <laughs> it was positive and it was, it was, it was humanising, you know, everyone involved, uh, you know, and they, 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 don't, they didn't like that. I they mean, did also say it wasn't romantic enough. Ah, yeah, yeah, no, actually, that was, yeah, that was weird. Well, it's interesting. To, <coughs> well, that was one of the things bizarre. about the film. It's lots of men in this. Mm. It's a male culture in mm. lots of ways, except for the very powerful response of the mm. uh, dead man's wife. But mm. yeah, yeah. I mean, look, the, the, the Pakistani um, government and the, and the Secret Service there are, um, have been oppressing their Pashtun populations, a minority group in the country, quite a large minority group, for quite some time, and demonising them. 
and you know have been putting on a show of of fighting the militants, of fighting the Taliban, even though covertly they have been creating and funding and using the Taliban for their own devices in well, Afghanistan. Well, of course, Pakistan uh, requires American funding, so you therefore they do. It's a business model almost. It's a business model, absolute business model, and that mil- and military military establishment there. That's where they get their money from, and you know, so they need to create this drama, and so they've. They've done a very good job of keeping the militants, um, you know, funded and and um, pumping out these, you know, m- many of these militants, these students from the madrasas, and uh, and then, you know, bombing uh, villages with huge numbers of civilian casualties and disappearing people on a large scale from those areas. Um, so they didn't really want a couple of Western filmmakers trying to humanise those people that they've been oppressing, which is essentially what we've been, what we do in the film. Yeah, which is what you do in the film. I mean, it is a parable. It, uh, it, on one level, did um, is it romantic? I mean, a well, romanticisation. Well, romance, I guess. I well, mean, it's uh, a relationship it's a, yeah. between... Uh, there's a very important um, story in this about a relationship between men and, and a, a, you know, and an exploration of um, masculinity and masculine relationships throughout this as well between between Mike, the, f- the veteran, and an Afghan taxi driver who, who bond beautifully on this mountaintop, you know, and... Um, and without... Uh, um, language without a common language, absolutely, you know, except humanity. Yeah, which is the key, isn't it? Mm. And you would have picked up on this that that, that that their roles were symbolic of what is possible between the West and Afghanistan if we have authentic engagement that's unarmed and without any kind of barriers of money or military between us. There, there is peace is absolutely possible if if the approach is changed. Now, Sam. Um you didn't really want to die for your art, did you? <laughs> uh, no, I'd prefer to live for my art, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but it was actually a very difficult film yeah. to make. I mean, yeah. you, you, you were shooting for 20 days, is that correct? Yeah, we shot for 20 days. We were away for two months in, in total. Um, but there were obviously days when we couldn't shoot because of any, any given reason. Yeah. Yeah, and also just things like maybe we just didn't have enough people to get in the scene that day, you know, simpler things like that. But, yeah, um, it was it was difficult to make, but it was also very rewarding. You know, it's really great. I mean, when, when we were coming back on the plane, uh, Ben didn't even know if we had enough footage to make a film. So to have it go from that to being a film that's been at Sydney Film Festival, Toronto, Melbourne, you know, it's it's been a really lovely surprise uh, for me. Yeah, you know? yeah. Mm. Uh, the... Um Let's get to the practicalities of the making of the mm, film. Mm, mm, I mean, quite clearly, Benjamin, you are a problem solver, which is what filmmaking really is about. Mm, mm, uh, mm. First, you get told you can't make it because you've got mm-hmm. no money, and not only that, it's too dangerous. Mm. You then decide that you're going to do a, take a completely different approach, which was made possible by modern technology. Mm. You went off and bought yourself a camera and mm. taught yourself how to film. Yeah, well, you can shoot. Um, feature films now on very small cameras that you are You can do it on affordable. mobile. You can mm. exactly if you've got a if you've got a strong, uh, important strong story, uh, you know about human relationships and and you know you, your story elements are, are great. Then it really doesn't matter what you shoot it on. In saying that, the film looks spectacular, and majority of that is because of the landscapes we're in. I mean, Afghanistan is a staggeringly beautiful country, mm. and also the huge amount of budget we had in post-production. When we came back with this very rare footage um, to Australia and collaborated with 
John Maynard, producer who was behind the film Balibo and a few other films, we were actually able to put a lot of that into making the film look even 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 better for the for the big screen that the, the opportunity you have with that canvas that cinema allows you to um paint on really with pictures so um yeah that was you know we were th- th- that's right so we we shot on a small camera which is which is important in a country like Afghanistan when you're shooting when you have to we don't want to be too conspicuous you know you're shooting in pub some public places you don't want to draw too much attention mm. to yourself and it and it can happen very quickly you know, this is why they refer to it as guerrilla filmmaking, because really you you want to shoot in a market, for example. You have to go in and jump out of the taxi and start shooting straight away um, and, you know, wrap within five minutes because otherwise a crowd's going to form and things are going to get hairy. Yeah. Now, in, in that um, case, you imagined it in your head, you planned it, you you said, I'm going to jump out of the, you know, like the plan, mm, mm. plan of action. Mm-hmm, mm. uh, how did that go in your head? Well, for example, early on in the film, uh, you see Mike coming from the airport and he needs to get out of his, you know, 501 jeans and ordinary clothes, Western clothes, so he's not going to be too, too conspicuous over there. So he needs to go and buy some local threads, shower kameez and sandals and a hat. And he walks to a, a tailor shop where there's some clothes for sale and, and buys it. So that's through a busy market. We were, you know, standing by in the, in the, in the taxi and waiting for the right opportunity. Uh, I guess you were psyching yourself up for the for the walk because you not, know not comfortable walking through that area in a pair of Levi's and a white t-shirt and a pair of combat boots. You know, don't feel that comfortable. So, yeah. But with that stuff, we would generally Ben, Ben and I would talk, and I'd say, okay, I'm going to track back this way. I'll come around that corner in roughly a minute, and you'd be ready to go. And then we'd we'd work that way so that it was very much um, a bird's eye view from from Ben. You know, and I'd do a follow shot um, so that people who did notice us in that moment were looking at Sam. Um, you know, it would appear to be looking at Sam, even though they might have been looking at me, and it wouldn't have looked too odd. So, yeah. you know, and and you've you've only got really one chance or two mm. two two at most to get it before you know you you draw too much of attention, yeah. and then you know it, it mostly wouldn't have been a problem. But you never know, good because we were shooting these in Jalalabad, that particular area. It was you know a bit red hot, a bit red hot. Um, you know, we'd been warned that there was potentially ISIS and Daesh spotters in the bazaar who are looking for Westerners um, to kidnap and so on. So we were very aware of that, conscious of that. So we didn't want to create a scene. Well, I mean, also, I mean, having done, practised a bit of uh, shooting at demonstrations and stuff at, at cameras, mm. what I realise is that a lot of the time people don't spend enough time on the shot Mm. Uh, they keep moving around and all the rest of it, and they mm. didn't, don't give enough edit points mm-hmm, or for mm-hmm. the person who's actually mm. observing it. It becomes a jumble. Mm. So, quite so you need to be aware of that, absolutely. And we were aware of that too. You know, there was you have to absolutely get um, what, what you need for the film without it being too jumpy. So, you, in that sense, you can't. You you got kind of you're in a heightened state because of the adrenaline. Well, you're <laughs> so you, you, there is a there is a danger that you're going to swing the camera around too much and but you know that so i was aware of that while shooting this absolutely and i just need to take a deep breath and steady my hand so that you know 
the audience ultimately to, yeah. wouldn't feel too nauseous watching That's this. Right. And there is there is very little, I mean, even though it's a handheld shot film, I don't mm. want that to put listeners off because no. it's there's a lot of stabilisation we did in post-production and um, with good. the editing, you know, it ends up looking really, really yeah. smooth. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. It, it doesn't give you any sick-making moments. Mm. The uh, In fact, those, that's what one of the things that I was so impressed about, especially since uh, it takes quite a long time before there's any any actual uh, speaking. So mm. it's actually a film of... Uh, it's like a dance routine, almost. Mm. It's mm. like a waltz. A ballet. A ballet, mm. in a way. It, it, were you thinking in that... Is that how you think in terms of making films? Well, I love I love Iranian cinema and the, yeah. that's that naturalism, that slowness of Iranian cinema. And I, I, I would have loved it to be a lot slower. In fact, it was cut right down so it's it feels like it's got p- pace because you know I, know I know audiences don't mostly don't, don't have that. the patience for mm. you know that old that ultimate naturalistic you know slow as life kind of pace. So we needed to you know we didn't actually end up doing that in the end. But yes, I'm very much interested in that that slow observational style. Which is perfect for the landscape, I like to say. Perfect. We're talking about a film called Jerga with the filmmaker Benjamin Gilmore and the lead actor Sam Smith. Uh, we've got two double passes. It's on at the Nova over the next a week or so. 9419 8377 you can get a double pass uh, if you're a subscriber and if you're not ring up and uh, subscribe and get a double pass uh, you're on showreel this is 3CR we'll get on with our interview with uh, the filmmaker and the actor Sam is the Westerner in focus but everybody else in the film is actually from is African Af- Annie, right? Afghan, yep. Yeah, Afghan. So um, how did that happen? How did you get people to become involved in uh, doing this story? They well, must have wanted to do, do this story too. There weren't that many other Australian actors available uh, in, <laughs> in Kabul. <laughs> <laughs> no, when we went over there, Ben uh, Ben had contact with two people, one of whom was someone who'd worked with uh, the artist George Giddos, um, who is an actor. Uh, and so he had contacts with people. But the majority of people, aside from... Uh, Sher Alam and Amir Shah. Uh, Sher Alam plays the taxi driver and Amir Shah is the English-speaking Taliban. Uh, aside from those two, there weren't really many other uh, trained, if you, if you will, actors. So a lot of it was street casting and we'd meet people and based on their life experience, they were probably right for that type of role. Um, I mean, oh, the, the, the lady who plays the widow is also a, a trained actor. But um, yeah, most of the people we met were just it wasn't too much of a stretch for them to, to sit in those shoes, you know, so it wasn't so hard to get them to play those parts. And, yeah. The kids are great. Mm. Well, the, the kid, that's a, that's a good one. The, the boy who plays the son of the man who's, uh, who Mike goes to apologise for, for killing, uh, he was picked at random half an hour before we shot that scene, you know, and, and what you could say about that is that in that village there's so much experience from people living in that village of that. That's... Uh, I don't know you should probably talk more on that, Ben. To be mm. honest, yeah. No, I think you're right. Um, that you know you could you could audition hundreds of people in in a, in a kind of an environment that's far removed from where you're shooting in this little dusty Afghan village, and not get the right character. And then you could pick someone like we did at random 
from the village where this scene takes place and you get it right because mm. of that authenticity. Mm. There was a great shot, um, that the thing about the kids, uh, there's a great shot you've got where they're walking into the uh, town and the little boy is running behind. Uh, mm. it's, a, it's a lovely shot. Uh, it's I, a happy accident. Yeah. Yeah, and we had a lot of them. And that's mm. where, you know, a lot of that stuff wasn't set up. We, we shot this in part like a like you'd shoot an observational documentary. Things happened. You're in that natural environment. You don't want to, you know, create a, an artificial um, an artificial moment in that in that space. It's very you know you want to draw in all those mm. naturally very, occurring yeah. things, you know, and bring them and make them part of your story. It's, it's fairly compelling because uh, you, actually at heart you've got a very straightforward moral tale. Mm. It's very simple, very mm. simple moral tale, it, you know, medieval in its uh, simplicity or Aesop's in its... Mythical, uh, mythical journey. Yeah, mm-hmm. mythical journey. Uh, but then you've, you've bound it with the actual realities of an everyday experience in a real place with real people that we all imagine in who uh, uh, as perpetrators of violence in mm. these places as if these people in some way or other are not people mm, mm, mm. that's the way we've been you know we've been conditioned to to see them and that was mm. the work we were trying to do with Jerga is correct that because ultimately our experience my experience of these people are that they, they just want to live peacefully uh, with their mm. families and their clans without interference and they've been watching from their mountaintops for centuries the hordes the invading hordes pass by and the current occupiers are just another lot of invaders that are trying to control them steal their resources mess with their environment and you know and you know build a mcdonald's on the street corner you know and that's they don't want that they're smart they're very smart they're a lot smarter than we give them credit for they can see the follies of the west they can see the decline of western civilization this is what Jerga is too, isn't it? It's a sophistication of cultural um, uh, arrangements around law and justice, mm. uh, and uh, which have been misinterpreted perhaps by the West by um, quite disastrous uh, use of them as uh, violence against women. That that's a, a fair statement, isn't it? Well, I think um, you know the. You know, the West and mainly America and its allies have justified um, their involvement in Afghanistan in all sorts of fancy ways and far-fetched ways. And, you know, that, that, that is definitely one of them that has been exploited. Um, so Jirga is a, uh, a consortium of uh, elders, male elders in a, in a community who pass judgment. And, yeah, and and it's it's quite democratic actually when you mm. think about the equality that all those elders have around the rug. It's around it's in and that system. Yeah, it's very of, similar to what the Vikings used to do. Vikings, uh, the Maoris, you know, in in a lot of indigenous cultures around the world, there is this, um, you know, this justice system, ancient justice system they have, and although their rulings have not always been humane, and definitely they can be adjusted. Um, you know, and evolve with time. I think it's a mistake to go in and impose our Western liberal democracy that you know results in someone like Donald Trump getting mm. into power. Um, and that's not lost on the Afghans. They see what that our democracy has delivered um, time and time again. And you know, the, there's a resistance to that when they have this ancient system that has worked so well for them um, for two, you know two thousand years. Mm. 
And also the uh, one of the most powerful moments is the whole idea that uh, Sam's character would uh, abase himself mm-hmm. and leave himself completely open to their decision about his own f- fate. That That's actually... Uh, to if you put that on a larger scale about Westerners' uh, involvement in world politic, uh, where they where the West Westerners' imperialist process actually needs to actually atone, mm. that's it's quite a, a extraordinary thing for a, uh, it's, it goes against it's anti intuitive it's, it goes against people's sense of self preservation. Very mm. interesting, mm-hmm. and yet it's the key. It's the key to peace is to having that humility and. You know, to get down on your knees and 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 apologise, and you know, make some make make peace in 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 this sense. I mean, I don't think you can get to a peace from a, from a point of strength at the moment. The problem we're having is that the war is in its seventeenth year, and you know, which is and it's caused a lot of casualties. I mean, I just read the other day that they've been trying to keep the figures quiet, but twenty two on average, twenty two Afghan National Army um, soldiers are dying every day over mm. there in the fighting, you know, let alone the civilians. Um, and, you know, what we've, I think we've got to realise is that the, the, the two sides, you know, America and its allies and, and the Taliban and various militant groups are trying to, you know, get to a point where they can negotiate from a, from a, a superior point of strength. And that's just going to keep the, the, the war going. At some point, someone's just going to have to say, let's just end this. And there are negotiations going on, but it's very difficult to negotiate with an enemy that you're still trying to kill in the mountains, you know, and <clears throat> Afghans do not take uh, kindly, um, even if they might not like the Taliban, they don't take kindly to um, this Taliban hunting that's been going on for 17 years because Taliban's part of their social fabric. These are their their men and their sons and their husbands and their uncles who are part of the Taliban. So even though they might not like the group and what it represents, they end up supporting them because they are part of that. They're part of the people over there that are being mercilessly um, slaughtered. And so, you know, it just keeps going on. I think there's a great Afghan proverb that goes, you can't wash out blood with blood. And I think we should pay heed to that advice and get to a point now where we lay down our weapons. The West pulls its troops out of that country because it's only been making matters worse year on year. And that's the end of the program today. Very interesting film, Jirga. It's uh, showing at uh, Nova over the next uh, week, and if uh, it gets a, a popular response, of course, for longer, uh, worthwhile going and uh, having checking it out. Coming up next is Published or Not. Uh, we'll go out with a, a song that uh, we played a while ago, but... Uh, it's uh, good to remember the uh, importance of Marcus Gavi. Marcus Gavi words come to pass. Marcus Gavi words come to pass.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.